guys, we literally just recorded a whole entire outro. Actually, just kidding. We didn't record it. <laughs> no. What, like, the whole, like... We literally got done. We are like, wow, it was, like, really good. Like, we were flowing. We were va- no, it was still green. If it's yeah. green, that means it didn't record. Yeah, so we it's, didn't record. So we. So now we have to re-record. I don't so. even know what we talked about. <laughs> it was so good. It was really good. Is oh, this where man. we were singing, or did we sing in the intro? This is the one that we were singing. So no. I don't even know if... Um, we can't even do it again. Yeah, that's bad. Okay. Oh, that's depressing. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and you're listening to Coffee 101, your one-stop shop for everything that you want to know about coffee, so that if your non-coffee-drinking friend or your coffee-curious friend asks you something about coffee, whether that's do you do regular or inverted air press, or why is pressure important for espresso, then you can answer it. Or if you're in a coffee shop that you're able to order a drink and know exactly what it is. So that's what Coffee 101 can provide. We are here for you and we are glad that you are here. All right, Katie, today is the second of our two episodes with Daniel Teplitz of Clatch Coffee. And I have to be honest, and you have to be honest, we fully recorded this. I know. And then we realized that the record button was not I off. remember. And like, it was good. No, it was so good. And, like, we had... We were having the best time. Like, we were singing, and we were, yeah. like, talking about random stuff. Yeah. I don't even know. And then, like, we look over... At the end, we kind of, like, make eye contact, and then we, like, look over at the recording button, and it was so great. (laughs) And we were like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so 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 we're sorry, 101ers. We we utterly, utterly failed. Um, No, there's no such thing as failing. I tell you, one of the big things we talked about um, in what was the unrecorded intro was we talked about... How, if you're striving to be a coffee shop owner, yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, out there in the world, so long ago. Yeah, well, it was, but we we're not bitter. We're we're gonna keep going. Um, If you're striving to be a coffee shop owner out there in the world, um, I argued that you need to um, have something that separates you out and you gave me a little bit of pushback i was just saying you were kind of going on about like you need to like do this and like don't do this and so i was just saying like in the grand scheme of things you can do whatever you want right like i think he was just trying to say like what he thinks will make you more like worldly successful but if you want to just have like marco's coffee shop like in a small town and it's, like, perfect, then you do you. Yes. He was just saying, like, if you wanted to, like, really, like, exponentially grow and be, like, unique and get more recognized, then, like, 
then you need to stand out. You need to like, so, do some extra stuff. Yeah, and we had talked about um, what I call red oceans and blue oceans. So red is like lots of competition and everybody sounds and looks the same. Yeah. And if you're going for like that world domination, then that's not what you want. Um, you want to be unique, which mm-hmm. would be what we call a blue ocean. Um, and that's where you want to be as far as growth goes. But you were correct and it was a good point to make that um, if you want to be very similar to most coffee shops, but you're that coffee shop for that town, yeah, then then thumbs up. Right, just like I was saying, like everyone just needs like a good like hometown vibe go to coffee shop. Yeah, so I think that's perfect. Yep, that's and um, and so. Um, that has nothing to do with the poor, Mm-mm. but we did talk about um, the poor in last week's episode, and we're about to get into it again, and uh, so I think we'll just go ahead and jump in yeah. to this interview with Daniel Teplitz of Clatch Coffee. Okay, we could not do it in one episode, and it was so good that uh, I wanted to bring you back so that we could keep just kind of cranking it as far as talking about pour over. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Well, before we get into, um, and I and I do want to go over like you know what was that United States third place winning <laughs> brew um, as far okay. as like the pour itself, but. Um, just here are some general kind of rules or thoughts that I've heard on, um, the poor, um, and just wanted to run by you and see what your thoughts were. So, um, don't flood the coffee bed. Thoughts on that. So I think the, the main idea behind this statement is during that bloom, mm-hmm. um, like you were saying, you want to make sure that you're when you're brewing that when you pour for that bloom, you don't want too much water there. So that we're able to release the CO2. Mm -hmm. If you're not able to release the CO2, you're actually not going to get a well extracted cup because the coffee, when you add that water, you're allowing the pores of that roasted coffee to open up and release that CO2 so that we're able to then fill those pores with water so that we can extract. And if you add too much water, we're adding all of this weight on top of it and that the gas won't be able to come out. Gotcha. So initially you don't want to flood the coffee bed. All right. After go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. After that first pour, after your bloom, when, after you've waited your 30 seconds, your 45 seconds, your minute and a half, whatever you decide your bloom time is going to be. Then, you know, if you, your recipe is a, a fast, heavy pour, fill it, fill your, your brewer to the top of the, you know, of the bed. I mean, if that works for the coffee you're doing, why not? Right. You know, I, I very much am behind the, the concept of taste your coffee. And if you like it, you did it right. Yep. Thumbs up. Well, so speaking of that, if you do go up on those uh, those pours after the bloom, um, do you personally, after, do you make like one swipe around 
um, the edges to kind of bring some of that, those grinds down that next pour. Yes. So if I'm doing, so my, my competition brew actually was that. So I did my 50 gram bloom and then I did a hundred grams on top of that. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, 150 grams on top of that. Um, And so, you know, after that, on that next pour, I focused very much in the middle, Mm -hmm. Um, small circles, kind of hitting bigger circles as uh, the coffees, uh, the, the, the bed is breaking and you're seeing all of that gas release. Um, And then as I'm watching it drain down, you see some of the, the bigger grinds, Mm-hmm. around the edge right and so when i do my next pour you know i want to bring those back towards the middle right because those are the ones that have not extracted yet yes gotcha okay all right how about um general rule hit try to hit your time goal yes and no this is such a difficult one the short um, answer on this uh and it'll take a little explaining is basically you're trying to get to the right cup. You're trying. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, it's such a difficult one for me because when you're brewing a cup of coffee, your time goal again with the Kalita wave, cause it's what I brew with most often. Um, it's a flatbed brewer, you know, generally about three minutes is yeah. what I, for my, the coffees that I brew that I'm going for. Yeah. I've had delicious cups of coffee on that brewer at over four minutes. Yeah. I've had delicious, my competition coffee. I already told you my weight mm-hmm. it was, and my water was 350 grams. So a huge cup. Yeah. Two minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah. And you know, part of that, part, part of your, it being really good is how you manipulated the acidity in the bloom. I, I would bet if it's going to be that fast of a, of a brew it was i used really hot water yeah which allowed for quicker extraction Mm. we used a really coarse grind because we found so we found with the coffee that i used that if it went longer it wasn't a bad cup Mm -hmm. but it lost some of the fruit characteristics that were really really unique and pleasant and became more floral and lost some of its sweetness which Again, it's not a bad cup by doing that. It just is not the cup I was going for. Gotcha. And so, you know, by having that fast extraction with the hotter water, I was able to get a cup that really brought out all of the sweetness and the fruit and the floral characteristics that really made for the cup that I was, you know, I felt would win. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Another couple rules. I'm going to, I'm going to, put these together um one is pour mostly in the middle and the other is even distribution of your pour and so what i'd like for you to kind of speak on is things like channeling finds migration which some of this we've already gone over um and then um how important do you think different pour over like the action of the pour over is you know like we talked about like circles and people do zigzags and thoughts on sure. any of that stuff. When I was for first going for the, when we were first brewing three minutes was my goal and we kept making adjustments 
to get it to taste right. Mm -hmm. And we've landed on 215 because it was when we, you know, I couldn't get it to brew the way I wanted to at that three minute time that is, you know, in my head, so standard for what I'm doing. So when you have like a time goal, you may want one thing, but taste your cup. Yeah. And the good thing to think about with that is like we said earlier is if you're tasting it and whether you know the word under extracted or not, or you know the word over extracted or not, um, time is one of those things that you can look at and say, okay, is this a variable I can change and how do I change it? Um, to be able to get the cup that I want. Uh, you know, what you were saying, uh, people might not know the word over-extracted or under-extracted. Yeah. Um, I found that uh, when I teach extraction classes, um, that there's a really useful tool online uh, called the Brewed Coffee Compass that Barista Hustle put together mm. uh, that has a lot of words um, in terms that'll help you figure out what we're talking about when we say over extracted or when we say under extracted um, so that you can make a better brew for yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll see if we can get that and put it in the show notes. And if for some reason we can't, then I will find some kind of equivalent. Um, sure. I'm sure there's more than one out there. Um, so speaking on or keeping on with general okay. rules, we have, I'm going to put a couple of these together, uh, pour mostly in the middle and even distribution of the pour. So what I'd kind of like, and we've spoke a little bit on, we spoke a little bit on this, but like maybe go into like, you know, what is channeling, finds migration, um, and then even like the, if you have strong opinions um, on different styles of pour, like the zigzag or figure eight or spiral circles or whatever. Sure. Um, so I think the big key to what you were just asking is channeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, channeling is when water finds a way to go through your coffee bed that's not straight down. It finds a hole and travels through that hole, which it's a lot good. means not good. Right. Exactly. So all of these different things we're trying to do are just different ways of attempting to mitigate uh, mitigate the channeling. So if you're pouring straight down the middle in a V60 and a conical brewer, that generally works because the way that the brewer is designed, it actually, that's where all of the, the coffee is trying to go. All of the water is trying to go. Mm-hmm. If you're using a flatbed brewer, it's not generally as good because we're, the flat bed, the idea behind it is that, you know, we want to fill that bed up and make sure the water's touching all of the coffee, which it won't happen if we're pouring straight down the middle. But that doesn't mean that that isn't always the best. Um, I know you had Patrick Rolf on here a couple of weeks ago. Um, On his April Brewer, he actually recommends doing a center pour for at least part of your brew. Mm. and that's something I played around with for my competition coffee ended up not going with, but you know, that channeling um, you're, you're, if you're tasting a little bit of over extraction on a flatbed brewer, you, if you pour down the middle, you actually will extract a little bit less. Mm. Um, so, you know, sometimes channeling can be an okay thing. 
Yeah. Um, you just want to minimize it and control it. Um, yeah. So when we're talking about even distribution of the poor, um, you know, spiraling, spiraling circles, those figure eights, any of those, what you're trying to do is stir up the bed and create that agitation, but also make sure that all of the coffee you're trying to hit is staying towards the middle of your brew so that you extract all of those particles evenly. So a conical brewer, like a V60, you know, that's going to look like pouring towards the center more in the, in the, when you're brewing in a flatbed brewer, it's going to look like more, more spirals or more figure eights or something like that. The key, like I keep coming back to is consistency, making sure you're doing the same thing every time. If you do, you know, circles, one time don't do a figure eight next time <laughs> yeah yeah uh, because unless, it's gonna unless you, unless, unless you, you don't like your what, cup exactly yeah and if, then, if you like your cup do the same thing yeah but if you don't like your cup then figure out what the variables are and just change like one of them you know at yes. a time and uh, see what I, happens a something i actually started doing a few years back um, was keeping a coffee journal. Yeah. So when I'm, you know, when I'm going through a bag of coffee, I'll write down like, this is the coffee I'm using. This is how I'm brewing it and what I taste. Um, Cause more often than not, you're not brewing two or three cups at a time, right. you know, like in a day you'll brew one cup and then you'll come back to it the next day and be like, I don't remember what I didn't like about it, but there's something. Yeah. Whereas if you have that journal, you're able to go back to it and look and go, Oh, I didn't like this. So it was probably a little over extracted. Yeah. So I can make this adjustment and see how I like it today. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that I, I recommend to all of my, uh, all of my customers when they're buying coffee, all of my, you know, when I'm teaching classes, I'm like, you should keep a journal so that you're able to learn, you know, and make the changes that we're talking about. Stick with us. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and you're listening to Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee. All right, so you're sitting there listening, and you're like, man, I could use a really good cup of coffee right now. Well, unless you already have it at home, I can't help you there as far as getting you some Humble Coffee. But if you're willing to wait a couple of days, you can go online and order now. You can go to humblecoffee.com or you can click on the link in the show notes and we will deliver your cup of coffee, your bag of coffee. So we have all roasts for just what you're looking for and Humble Coffee does just single origin and our goal is to do two things really well one is to get you a really really good cup of coffee and we do that two ways one is in how we source coffee and then the other is roasting it to perfection the second thing is we want that cup of coffee to be healthy for you and we want to optimize the coffee for health and so we know the things that make a difference in how we source and how we roast to optimize for those antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, which are good things that you want from your cup of coffee in the morning. Coffee is healthy for you. A cup of black coffee is healthy for you. Any coffee is good for you as far as mental health. So um, we just want you to have a great cup, 
and for it to be healthy for you. So go to humblecoffee.com or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. You know, it's different when you're brewing. You're right. It's different when you're brewing that one cup in the morning versus um, if we're cupping coffees. Um, If we're cupping coffees back to back, like immediately we can tell a difference in in some things, whereas uh, we'll either forget or our palate will forget um, what the difference is like day to day. You know, just some little subtleties. Um, so yeah, I think a journal uh, is a is a great idea. You know, one thing that speaking of spirals, I got off on this tangent <laughs> of um, the Coriolis effect. So basically, if and I actually when I started looking this up, realized that um, like I had always thought that and had heard that above the equator. Or in the northern hemisphere, you know, water drained one way, and in the southern it drained another way. And the and the theoretical reason was because this thing called the Coriolis effect, which is where the Earth rotates on its axis, and air is deflected. We'll say if I'm like looking at the world and it's spinning on its axis, it's a northern hemisphere like left to right. Not well. Let me think about that. Yeah, anyway, it's the opposite. You just have to look it up. Um, as as the air is being almost like bent as the earth is, is rotating. And um, so anyway, fast forward to a little research and now like that like you can get a your your water to drain, you know, clockwise or counterclockwise independent of being northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere. And the reason I was thinking about that was I was thinking, okay, if that was true, which it's not, then it would make a difference, I think, in if you spiraled counterclockwise or clockwise in that you would be going either with or against the natural flow of the water as it cycles around, um, which would make a difference in agitation, which would make a difference in extraction. But that's not the case. So I want to debunk that right now. But you made a good point, Daniel, um, when we were talking before we came on about the um, the little, um, I don't even know the what ridges. you're talking. Yeah, the ridges in like uh, uh, Hario V60. Explain that a little bit and, and, and so, why you do why you do what you do. Sure because of those ridges so the ridges i mean it actually the ridges on a v60 are very um slight and they go clockwise okay um i actually was using a in my first competition this year i was using a um the brewista tornado duo which is another conical dripper with really sharp clockwise ridges Mm. Uh, but both of those again the ridges go clockwise um, if you pour with the ridges, the water travels that direction. And so it forces the water to tornado down um, and faster. Yeah, that so direction. less extraction. Yes, uh, faster brew. Yeah. Um, and so I actually pour the opposite direction when I'm pouring um, to actually slow down the way that it's uh, spiraling through the brew. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to slow down that the brew time. Um, so if you pour with those, it's going to speed it up just a little bit. And if you pour against it, once you're once you're done pouring and the agitation stops, the water is then going to stop and spin back the other way. So it'll continue a little bit with the agitation as well as um, slow down your brew just a little bit. Gotcha. Um, okay. As we're wrapping up, a couple of things that I wanted to say and make sure um, we had talked about um, kind of briefly continuous versus pulsing. And what, sure. I, what I would say for our 101ers out there is, you know, just try um, both of these different methods. And I'll, I'll um, put a link uh, in the show notes to a video that I have, at least of how I personally do um, a pour over, which would be a, a pulse. Um, but basically it's a, it's a um, if I remember right off the top of my head, it's a 30, it's a 15 gram and I have uh, 30 gram for the bloom, and then I do 100, 100, 100. Um, and I'd have to check the math on that, but the ratio, whatever it would be, it might be a 20 gram. Okay. I can't remember. But it I was going to say, a, that's going to be like a 30, uh, like an 18 to 1. Yes, yeah, so it's going to be, so it, it's set up for like a 16 to 1. So that's got to be, it's got to be closer to 18 or 20 grams for your coffee. But anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes to um, what I usually do, but it's, it's a, I think, a 16 or 16.1 to 1 uh, water to coffee ratio. Um, that's mine, but I'm not the expert at pouring, and uh, so I, I want to see, and we want to see what uh, Daniel uh, does. And the last thing that I will say before I let him do that is that – if you don't already have one, get you a gooseneck kettle uh, because that's when we're talking about the precision uh, of a pour, um, you know, this is really, you, you, need, you need a gooseneck kettle to be able to do a lot of what we're talking about. All right, I'll let you have the floor. Okay, well, I'd actually say there's, there's four tools you need, and okay. I think you've covered some of them in the past. Um, you need a scale. Yep. Um, you need a some kind of brew method, whether it's a Chemex, a Kalita, a V60. You want to go get crazy, get something new like an Origami or an Aurea or uh, April Dripper. All yeah. of those, you know, you, you need cool. some kind of brewer. Yeah. Um, you need a. I would, I would say you need a grinder. Um, yep. You can grind it. At, you can grind it at the store, but you're going to lose a lot of quality as it. Uh, as it degasses over time. So that freshly ground coffee is one of the biggest keys. It's something when I, you know, make a new friend and I find out they don't have a grinder, guess what I'm buying you for Christmas? <laughs> a grinder. Um, and then, you know, that gooseneck kettle, like you said, like yeah. a gooseneck kettle really allows you to brew a, a more accurate cup. Yeah. So that, that scale and that gooseneck kettle are the last two pieces that really allow you to brew the cup that you're trying to brew. Yep. Um, so my brew. Tell us about your um, brew. And I will so preface I, it with it's a you said a twelve point five to one, correct? That yeah, for competition it was a twelve and a half to one. Yeah. So um, uh if you have one that's different that's like a sixteen to one or whatever it is, then I was gonna I was gonna that. give my my uh my standard where I start in store. Okay, um, do I'm that. Dialing in because 
do it's that because that's to one. <laughs> yeah do that one i think that's the one that people would identify with yeah um so we do um generally i still stay with that 28 gram dose um because we're generally trying to serve about a 12 ounce coffee yeah um so we start around 28 grams um on a medium uh to medium coarse grind clutch generally goes a little on the coarser side for our coffees we like uh a little bit faster extractions because we do have a a medium uh roast level so the darker your roast the faster you can extract yeah um and have a and still have a balanced cup um so we don't we definitely don't go super light on our roast but we i would not say are like a dark roast we yeah we like having really a lot of nuance in our coffee and so the way we get to that medium medium light roast is the important thing yeah um so it allows us to have a slightly coarser grind um but i do a 28 gram dose i'll do a 50 gram bloom uh 30 seconds is my standard um but i taste at, at the end of the cup what i'm tasting will tell me whether i want to adjust that um and then i actually do a heavy pour on top of that so i go from 50 i'm adding 150 grams on top of that so okay. we're now at 200 total grams um, that, like I said earlier, will trap the acidity that's left after my bloom in the cup. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, which, which is, a you know, when we talk acidity, I'm not talking about sourness. I'm talking about complexity. Yeah. Um, you know, we want, because acidity allows the coffee to change when we go from hot to cool. So it's something that's really important in coffee. We don't want to completely eliminate it, but we don't want something that, is too acidic because it really will unbalance the cup. Yep. And just as an aside, and we said this earlier is when Daniel's talking about the trapping, the acidity, he's saying otherwise, because it's volatile, you could lose it in some of that degassing if you don't trap it and let it go down into your cup. Go ahead. Yep, exactly. So, after that, that second pour, which I'm now at 200 total grams, I do another 100 gram pour. This will agitate my bed. Um, I'm trying to really let the co- the water drain almost completely before I do each pour. Mm. So generally, it's about a. F- I after my 30 second bloom, I wait about. It's about 45 seconds before my third pour. So generally, about a minute 15. And then, so at a minute 15, I'll pour to 300. This again agitates the bed. I'm able to get those, uh, those grounds that kind of raised up, um, and, uh, are on the edges of my filter. I can bring them back into the middle and then pour smaller circles in the middle. Um, I, that after that pour, I wait again about another 30 seconds. So we're looking at it, the water draining through, um, you know, fairly quickly, but not, you know, just running through. Um, and then that last pour, I do another 100 grams. So we're end up at a 400 gram total for about a 14 to one cup. Okay. Um, and that last one generally, because now my fines have uh, settled across the brew Mm -hmm. uh across the the filter it will slow down how that last little bit drains 
Um, and so it should hit the bed anywhere between 230 and 240. Um, but then I want to let it drain through for another 20-ish seconds. So like I said earlier, my ideal time on a on a flatbed brewer is about three minutes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm doing sir, I personally pour circles throughout the whole thing, whether I'm starting small circles and graduating to bigger circles um, or on, you know, when I have the uh, the grounds on the edge of my filter, I'll start, you know, with the wider circles coming back to the center and doing smaller circles in the center. That agitation allows me to get the extraction I'm looking for. And are you clockwise or counterclockwise? Counterclockwise, left-handed. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, let's go against the grain. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, but it's it's uh, it has it has done you well um, so far in your coffee career. Well, um, it's a pleasure to have you. I want to shift gears and talk about Clatch. Tell me what's going sure. on there. Uh, well, we you know I manage our Redondo Beach store. We're actually hitting thirty years. Um, as oh, a wow. company this year, I didn't realize um, it so that long. Yeah, not not the Redondo store. We've been there five yeah, but years Clatch, next month. Yeah. But Clatch, yeah, yeah, we've been around. Um, this will be our thirtieth uh, year. I think October is the actual anniversary. Cool. Um, but we uh, we're doing all sorts of promotions for our thirtieth anniversary. Um, you know, I just won third place uh, last month. Yeah. Um, and super excited about that. We actually just got another shipment of the coffee I competed with. Okay. Um, it's the uh, Columbia Las Flores Churoso Natural. Awesome. Um, we just got a new shipment of it, and it is super delicious. I mean, yeah, I'll have to check it out. I'm strawberry, looking at the website right now. Yeah, strawberry, peach, and elderflower and kumquat are the kind of the main four flavor notes that we talk through. Um, but you get this really interesting, like, mint flavor as it starts getting older i mean it's one of the most interesting coffees i've had in a long time yeah and we got it two and a half weeks before competition yeah (laughs) and then you're like let's go well i we had another coffee we were using and i was really excited about and then we got that one in and mike um our owner looked you know brought in and he's like daniel i need you to come taste this and so i went up i went into our lab um and tasted it and we kind of all looked at each other and i nobody said anything and i went downstairs and i was working on my uh my speech Uh and one of my coaches uh chris dennis he manages our uh chino hill store um and he's competed in barista a few times um he came down and he's like daniel you need to decide right now if you're using this coffee because we don't have time for you to (laughs) like continue working on another coffee. Right. Um, And if we're going to switch and we, he's like, I'm not going to say anything. I want you to tell me what you think. And, and it got you to finals, which is your goal. It it was, it was exactly my, you know, I tasted it. It was just like the coffee I was using was amazing before, Yeah, but it was something that, you see a lot of other competitors use. Yeah. The coffee that I brought is, you know, the Churoso is a newer varietal. It had this, all of these really interesting, unique tasting notes. I was just like, this coffee, I have less time to figure it out, but the potential, this is, you know, this could be a winning coffee. Yeah. And so we just right there decided it. (laughs) 
I'm on I'm on uh I'm on I'm on the website. I'm on I'm gonna get a bag and check it out. And it looks like y'all got all kinds of uh cool coffees out there. But all right, well I enjoyed having you today and uh we will hopefully get you back on sometime soon. Yeah, love to. All right, so now you know everything that you need to know about the poor. Oh, yeah. Now, let me ask you this. When you do your poor, are you like a circular or a zigzag, or do you just like dump it all in real fast and Mm -mm. wait and then dump it all in again, or what do you do? Mm -mm. No, for coffee, I definitely, definitely like do a little counterclockwise. Counterclockwise. Don't say that. <laughs> Counterclockwise, like circular motion, sort of swivel, sort of deal. Okay. Like a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside in, not inside out. And then, but for cereal, on the other hand. Yeah. For cereal, hear me out. This is just my opinion, but I feel like it's a good opinion. I think. I think that for cereal, pour the cereal in first. Get the milk. Pour it in one singular spot uh-huh. and let it kind of filter to the bottom so it doesn't ruin the crispiness of the yeah. top layer of the cereal. Okay. I'm a cereal connoisseur. Well, so I will tell you, I do a, I put the cereal in first. Uh huh. And then I do a pour from the middle. So, like. Ew. Yeah, no, listen. So I do like I like for all of it to kind of turn over and the cereal to get like wet. No. Yes. And but also I like it crunchy so I still eat it fast. Okay. Okay, you know? okay, okay. And I eat my cereal slow, so. So I hear you. But the the cool thing is is you can take what we've learned from these two episodes on the poor and it really applies to, to anything. anything because it's all about like Trend or extraction and how transportation, things, how things are interacting with each yeah. other, um, and how you can facilitate that. Ooh, so, like a pour, if you're doing a pour over, oh. you know, from you wouldn't be able to do, you would not get a, a good, pour under, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> be able to get a good cup of coffee by doing what you do with the cereal. Yeah. Because you'd be floating dry grounds on top. Yeah. And you would just be getting like water and a little bit of coffee in there. Yeah. But same concept. Right. So so anyway. It just depends on what you like. Yeah. So what works. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So now you know what you need to know. Oh gosh, that was what we were singing in the last episode, or not the last episode, the the unrecorded episode. Yes, because he said something. I was like, it reminds me of that song, and then we started singing that song. That song that uh, it doesn't say need to know. What does it say? Somebody that you used, used to, to know. Yeah, that yeah. one. And um, so now, all of you one wonders out there know what you need to know <laughs> about. So sad. Um. Everything to troubleshoot your cup of coffee. So oh, yes. that's big. That's big. Big so, beans, guys. So you know what water does to your coffee milk? and the temperatures. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, we're not talking Continue. about milk. Uh, you know what uh, grind size will do. You know how filters can affect your coffee. You know how the pour can affect it. Uh, you know all those little things. And so the fun part 
is now moving forward, we're going to go into the next episodes are going to be about different brewers. Mm. So like an Aeropress or a Melita or Kalita. a Kalita oh, or Hario V60 or a French press or whatever. And we'll have episodes just on each of those uniquely. So if you haven't left us a review before on Coffee 101, go ahead and do that. And These are fun. Yeah, and, and in the comments, besides saying, you know, that you love Coffee 101, say what kind of brewers you want us to talk about, yeah. and we'll, we'll make sure and get those in the lineup. And have or, a, like, send us an email or something. Yeah, or a DM on Instagram. And just tell us um, what you want to make sure that we cover as far as... Um, you know, different episodes on these brewers. And then the segue to the next episode is going to be, or to the next section of things that we're doing is um, I, I'm bringing Chris DeFerio from Keys to the Shop on. And so people in the coffee industry will probably know that name. And he and I are going to tell all of our secrets for how we actually brew our coffee, mm-hmm. the goods and the bads. And, um, and then... At least everybody out there will know, like, you know, what we really do, regardless of what we actually talk about. Um, so, anyway, yeah. that's it. It'll be I fun. I keep checking to make sure it's recording still. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little paranoid, <laughs> too. So, um, if you didn't catch that at the very beginning, um, we recorded this before, and then we realized that we had not recorded it. So Yeah. But um, that was good, and we will catch y'all next time on Coffee 101. Love y'all.